And so we are prospering. How many are prospering? Aren't you glad that, that how many realize the love of money is the root of all evil? Is that what the scripture says? The love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that? Well, all manner of evil. Yeah, all manner of evil. And so, well, I can take you back to how far the root goes. There was a guy named Lucifer. He was an angel in heaven. Everybody thinks he was the most powerful and beautiful and glorious. He was the most beautiful he was gifted in ways none were. His brilliance of mind was amazing, but he was only a cherubim. People think he was an archangel. You can't find one scripture, but you can find several that says he was a cherubim. See, he's deceived the church for 2,000 years and everybody believing he was a great, mighty cherubim. He was gifted to absorb the merchandise of heaven, which was the glory of God and the worship and singing and the and the... You know, in heaven, everything in heaven has music exuding from it. On the earth here and in this creation, it used to have the same thing. Now it has a groan. It sounds like music to us because we're groaning too. But it's actually not the kind of music it was before the fall. The whole creation sings, but it also groans. There's a groaning in the song. And it groans because of the bondage of corruption that's in every atom. It's called a sin warp. And it went out of mankind when Lucifer tempted them and they said yes to it. And they partook of the word from him over the word from the Lord. And they partook of the one thing in the garden that he said not to touch. See, the Lord's always had a tithe. He's always had something set aside that was his. And he's given us everything we want, but he says, you can not touch that. And they touched the tithe. They ate it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the way Satan convinced them to take it is he said, see, look upon it. Is it not good? Everybody say good. He didn't say it's good and evil. See, look, it's good fruit, but it's kind of evil sometimes too. He didn't tell the truth. Of course, he's a deceiver and a liar. And he emphasized the appealing side. And it's good for food. It's good to make you wise. It will make you like God. And he emphasized the good part. And of course they were, he was deceived and seduced into it and hadn't stood by there and wasn't, but didn't say anything or do anything about it. Right? He didn't protect his wife from the serpent. He was in rebellion because he wouldn't take his place. His place wasn't to dominate. His place was to fulfill her. She was lacking on the discernment and insight. She was deceived only thinking that the fruit would be good. And he knew it was evil. He didn't add his part to make it whole and the vision to come clear again and back to the word of the Lord. Which would have been, now nah, let's go over here and eat the tree of life. I mean, you know the tree of life was there. As long as they ate that, they would live forever.
Well, that's a loaded bit of verse right there, isn't it? That's, that, and it's so simple, it's right in front of our eyes. We can see it. As soon as they partook of it, he began to convince them because of all the bad stuff he poured out on them. I mean, he poured out a 50-gallon drum full of mega evil on them. And he kept pouring them. And he kept saying it was God doing it. And he turned the revelation of God from a good God into an evil God. And they begin to doubt and wonder and become angry and confused. The beasts of the field ran. They were self-conscious and selfish. This is not the message for tonight. So I don't know. I'm just like prophetic. I'm subject to go anywhere. And they went into poverty. Had to live by the sweat of their brow. You know you're not called to live by the sweat of your brow. All work is good. And all work has reward. Every work will give you a payment. Any work, any act of kindness, anything you do from the time you take your first breath until you breathe your last. We may be in the generation where we don't breathe our last. Anybody think that's possible? Every action is known and recorded. It's encoded into creation and into the voice of even the very air we breathe and into creation. It's infused into it. And the day will come when it will shout back to us every good deed and every kind deed. And they'll be rewarded. You'll be paid for everything in this life that you ever did. That was from love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, and faith and self-control. All of them. Every bit of it. Isn't that exciting to know that every act of kindness is rewarded? You know what the first reward is? You get rewarded the minute you do it. What happens? You feel good. Because you were created to do it, to be it. That's who you are. Turn to somebody and, and say, I'm really good inside. <laughs> Go ahead, tell them. Tell them. <laughs> Do you believe you're good inside? Yes. Oh, none's good but the Father in heaven. But he is a father and he has some children. And his father is good, so also are his children. Do I? Come on. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? When Jesus said that, nobody was born again yet. They didn't have the spirit of the Father. They weren't regenerated, recreated. Now we are. And the core of your being is nothing but the goodness and kindness and love and joy and power. Oh. Do you know in your spirit you have judgment? You have righteous judgments inside of you? And you should use them every day. Every time somebody's sick, you should pass a judgment on that sickness. Rebuke it and say, you were nailed to the cross. I judge you with the cross right now and command you to leave the body. Amen. Pass judgment on poverty. How do you do that? You give an offering. 
You give. The answer to all poverty is giving. It's giving, Randall, because God's so loved that he what? That's all he does. Everything he made, he did for everyone else. Everything he does. God is love and love always gives. It never takes. You know the verse, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That doesn't mean the Lord will give you something and he'll take it away from you. It means the Lord's going to give you something and he's going to take away everything that tries to steal it from you if you believe in him. He's going to take away every hindrance in you to use it wrong. He's going to take away everything in your life that trips your life up because God wants to give you more and more and more. I'm about to shout. I really am. Woo! Yes! going to be a message that's come out this next year. It's going to sweep the body of Christ. It's going to build. It's going to be about judgment. And our whole view of judgment is going to, we are going to stop making judgment a bad word. God is the God of judgment. It can't be bad. <laughs> oh my God. He's going to burn up the earth with fervent heat and melt the elements. What kind of fire is that going to take? How about this one? What was Jesus' physical body that was nailed to the cross made from? Hmm? Wasn't it? A, isn't it the earth? Isn't it made of the earth? Wasn't it? Isn't he, wasn't he all human? And all God. He was all human. It says he was made like unto. He was made like unto flesh as we are. Actually, it says like unto sinful flesh as we are, yet without sin. In other words, the ability to be tempted in his flesh was there. Because God did the righteous thing when he became flesh. He did a holy thing, but he became flesh. And within it was the desires that all of us have. I was talking to somebody today about it. Sex is a desire. It's a holy gift. Powerful. And it can make your life wonderful or horrible. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know a lot of Christians are afraid to talk or, or get involved with a ministry that can show them how to make wealth? They said, that's that prosperity gospel, and God, Jesus didn't come to make people wealthy. Did too, did not, did too, did not, did too. Because we're the seed of Abraham, and Abraham, and all the prophets that followed. He was a prophet, and all the prophets that followed, all of them prophesied of great prosperity. Prosperity starts in the soul. Your soul becomes Instead of your soul being filled with the fear of lack, it's suddenly filled with great abundance. 
and, 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 you, and your soul begins to be filled as you grow in the Lord, it begins to rejoice so much in what you have, you quit thinking about what you don't have. And you become a tractor beam that out of the inside of you goes forth this power and takes hold on more of resources that's needed for this gospel of the kingdom, for your family, for an inheritance, to raise up godly seed, to raise up and fill the earth, replenish, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, all things. He infuses you with a rejoicing and a joy if you yield to it and not yield to the fallen flesh and the weakness of flesh which is crucified but has memories in it. The memories have to die. They have to bow their knee. Every mind, will, emotion, imagination, intuition, imagination and memory has to be brought under submission and will be and is being right now while you're sitting there, you're maturing. You're going from one degree to a glory of another, whether you know it or not. Even now, the Spirit of God is in you, changing you all of your life, every day, every breath you take, every move you make. He is watching you. Amen. And making it happen. Oh, my goodness. So the abundance of his goodness to us is amazing. I have determined, because of a visitation of the Lord that I'm yielding to, I will prophesy, decree it, and declare it. I've seen the city of glory. I've seen the city of light called Redding, California. I've seen it in domed. It stretches 25 miles in every direction. It's the financial center of the state of Northern California. No cow. Nor cow. Everybody said no, nor cow. Some people call it Jefferson. I've seen it. Had visions of it, visitations. The word of the Lord came to me. I'm going to prophesy. I don't care what anybody says or thinks. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that's seen it. There are other prophets. I always submit everything of high order to other people. What do you think about this? Well, that's what I got. I know. Lord told me you did. I wanted to see. Is there permission? Is it time? Yes. It'll be time when you go there. I'm standing on the mountain out here looking at this whole area. The wind comes, hits me in the face, blows for two hours, and the voice of God's in it. And he opens up and shows me the vision and tells me what this city will be. It will be the financial center and one of the most prosperous areas. And minerals like gold and silver and other kinds of resources undiscovered will be uh, discovered again and 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 and. and It'd be drawn. The resources would be drawn out of the earth. Lumber, cattle, and over the mountains, and that whole area out there. There's gas galore under it. Natural gas worth trillions of dollars. And there's nobody saying anything about it. There's other resources that's in this part of the state. And it's going to happen so fast, it's going to blow your mind when it starts happening. It'll go up like Dubai. 
I'm prophesying right now. That's what the Lord said. Well, we'll just see. Well, I already see. You can wait if you want, or you can see the vision and agree. Ask God. There's this bear witness. Could it be that good? God, would you prophesy that much good stuff about this area? Oh, I'm, that's just a little tiny bit. That's nothing compared to what he's going to do. And we become the spiritual learning institutional place of the entire West Coast. It had become the Silicon Valley of the world for the technology and the inventions that are going to come, that are going to be way ahead of what we know now. It's going to move fast. It's going to happen quickly. It's not going to take another 50 years or 100 years. Don't you see how fast things are changing today? How many of those things are moving like wall? You think they're moving fast now? When Donald Trump lays his hand on the Bible and the spirit of David comes on him and he no longer acts like a Saul, he's supposed to do that. Saul's killed Philistines. All the Canaanites were in trouble when Saul became king. He was God's anointed one for this service. We have an anointed presidential elect. Oh, it's so good to say. We have a new president. It's so glorious what he's going to do. The move of God coming to this region is amazing. The culture of revelation and high learning of things we don't even know yet will be so paramount here. The music and, 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 and entertainment realm, the media, arts and creativity will be so massive here, they won't even need to go to Hollywood to do anything. And Hollywood will try to come and take it, and they won't be allowed to. They, they will not be allowed to. We're moving into change. In 1968 or 65, something like that, I lived in Southern California. I lived in Santa Clarita Valley, and I ran with a bunch of people that we rode motorcycles and all that stuff, clubs. And, and um, we was all over. We rode all the time everywhere. And, Partied and all that, and there was an out, and there was a, a, a weird thing happened. These guys named the Beatles came on the scene, and there was stuff happening and stirring in the West Coast and a couple places back east, and, and marijuana was starting to be smoked a lot, and drugs were coming in, Eastern religions, and it began to grow and it began to multiply, and the hippie movement was birthed, and I was in that, and then then. 67, the Jesus movement happened. And they had what they called love-ins in Griffith Park, Southern California, near L.A. Griffith Park Zoo is there in Griffith Park, and it was a huge, massive area. You're, you remember? I do, too. 
and uh, the hippies would come there and they would play music and drink and party and wild and 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 the phrase I think drug sex rock and roll I think it started there not San Francisco and anyhow it was really wild I mean it was really loose and it was wild there were thousands of people coming in they were just shifting and changing into this new culture and I went down there and I was in the biker culture I sat on my back and watched I was raised Christian and I knew what was God and what wasn't because I was raised Pentecostal holiness and tent revivals and all that A.A. Allen, William Branham I was in their meetings and Oral Roberts and all that stuff so I I was really raised right but I was a prodigal I was running from God and I saw all this change and the music that came and the music and everything and it just like I had this prophetic visitation even though I was a prodigal and I saw the times that we suddenly was a, we were in and that oh my god and I knew it was the beginning of the wrap-up of the end of the age I knew it and the music it frightened me and I loved it but I knew it was right out of hell I knew it was a kind of music that was like, oh my God, why can't they have this in the church? But the words and everything, and the spirit that's with it, it's defiled it, it's so bad. I'm saying all of this because the change came so fast, it was like one day I was one way, and a two or three events took place, and, I, and, I, and suddenly it was on the radio, it was in the news, it was everywhere. And then there... There's all these Jesus freaks started coming out of the woodwork, baptizing people in the ocean. Lonnie Frisbee, I remember it. And I'm going, wow, Jesus is going to come. He's getting his final harvest. And I couldn't turn to it. I couldn't turn. And I'd jump up on the table in a room or a bar full of Bikers, I'd jump up and start preaching to them. We gotta turn to Jesus Christ. We're all going to hell. Well, our name was Satan's slaves, hell's angels, and galloping gooses, you know, boggles, and the, all those biker guys. That's who they were. That's who I ran with the news. And I'd jump up and preach, and they'd cheer me on and say, "Preacher, it's time to preach." And they'd be laughing all crazy. Get up there, preach, preacher. And I'd, jump up there and I'd start crying and preach the gospel and they'd say you're all right preacher we love you man sometimes they'd have to tell me about it and I would be all embarrassed because I wasn't worthy to preach the gospel but I couldn't help it and I'd be looking at them these are my friends and I'd be I was the most miserable backslidden prodigal son you ever saw in your life Can you imagine that? <laughs> Change came. And Jesus came. And the Jesus movement started. And I ran around in all of this until 1974, and finally I gave in many, many, many dealings of God. Right to the edge of death. Three different times. Overdoses, gang wars, battles, hospitalizations, accidents, 
and I wouldn't turn. God, I got a lot of mercy for people, you guys. I got a lot of grace. I can forgive anybody of anything. Sometimes I had to work on it a little bit. You can too. We can. Whoever's forgiven much loves much. There isn't a person in this room that hasn't been forgiven of a lot. How many of you know we were only worthy of hell? Thank God for his mercy endures forever. Change took place. And then I started hearing about this charismatic movement. I'd jump in my low rider in LA and go down to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings and go in and sit way up in the back in the balcony and weep and want to turn to God. And and I couldn't I couldn't say, Lord Jesus, I'm turning it over to you and walking away from this life. And I'd sit there and say, Someday I'm gonna do it, God. Please don't let me die before I do. But I know if I, because I had made deals with him, you know, I faced 25, 50 years in prisons a couple of times and in and out and that stuff a lot. And I made deals with him and said, help me, Lord. I was married and had a child. We were both into that lifestyle. I don't know who this is for tonight. This is for somebody here tonight. This is for somebody out there in Cyberland. This is for somebody. Because it's time for a change. It's really time for a change. I've seen change after change come to the movement, the charismatic movement, all the different movements in the charismatic movement. I was in them. After I returned to the Lord and had the encounter, God delivered me and set me free from addiction. I've never gone back to it. I went after God at that, at that time. I went after him like I'm still going after him. He captured me. He's taken me all over the world. I've seen massive revivals break out and all kinds of things happen. The Lord has been so good. He's amazing. He can do anything with you. He can do anything he wants to with you. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. And then move in that direction. No matter what, no matter what it costs you. Say, no, 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 nothing's going to keep me. I'm going to move in that direction. I've heard the call. I'm answering it. And then you start moving. And you never stop moving. And when you're stopped and, and something's stopping you and you're, you're not moving, your, your feet are still moving. You're inside, you're still moving. You're still going forward with God. No matter what happens, having done all, you will stand. You'll never falter, fail, and give up. You'll never turn back because the minute you do, you turn around and start to run from God and you'll run right into him. You're his. He bought you with a price. He's captured you. It'll just make you suffer to run from his will. If you run into his will, then you get to suffer. 
One brings glory and one brings trouble. One brings a reward and one distracts and detracts from you. So if you're going to suffer, why not suffer all the way? Is there anybody here who's never suffered? Since, a, since you're a Christian and you know God, you know, is there anybody here since you've really known God that's never suffered? Never? Some people don't believe in the suffering message. It's not a message, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> it's an honor. It is. We live in a fallen world. Church is made up of people that are still coming out of fallenness. Nobody's perfect. Oh, we're perfect in our spirit. If we would just live by what's inside of us, Oh my goodness. This year we're going to get an anointing to, to grace us with a higher anointing than we've ever known. Yeah. 2017. It began at Rosh Hashanah, that Jewish New Year is really the real year where, that he does everything according to... The, that's what the Bible's written on. On the Hebrew calendar. I say Jewish, I mean Hebrew. The Hebrew calendar. Those timetables. Until time is no more. And so we entered a new year at Rosh Hashanah. Didn't we? Didn't we, God? Didn't we? Things begin to change. And one a month later, we got a new president. And everything in America changed and shifted. He's not our savior. He's a warrior. He gave us a God, us battling for him, got a reprieve from great judgment that would have come up on us as an American, as Americans. Horrible. If my people are called by my name, will humble himself and pray and turn from their wicked way. I will hear them from heaven, forgive them their sin and heal their land. He heard our cry. This time, last time, Eight years ago, evangelicals put Obama in office. This time, they made sure Hillary didn't continue in his program. Satan's program. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't say it any nicer than that. And we get people, Christians and Americans all over America. They're all excited about What's going on? There's new hope everywhere. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones that was voting the other side. And they're all going, ah, ah, give me a blankie. It's amazing. It's craziness. It shows you what their foundation was and is. It's sad. My God, they need a savior. They're our harvest field. There's going to be a lot more shaking going on. This transition, we're going to have a smooth transition. Yeah, right. Watch. 
there are still distinctly the people of darkness and the people of light. And they're clashing. And the light, yes, we do. Thank you for saying that. Yes, we do. Prayer. It's the oil that oils everything we do around here. It's what we're about. Intimacy and intercession. So we have, we only have a few prayer meetings a week. We only have, in the morning, two, two hour prayer meetings, just four of them. We don't have an entire house of prayer yet. That'll happen. Uh, by the, by his design. And there will be praise and worship. There'll be new kinds of praise going on. New kinds of worship. New sounds and music. There's a whole new thing about to happen. There's an anointing that's a greater degree, a higher level of glory. We are going from one glory to another. So the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to read the book of Numbers. And I started reading the book of Numbers. And, you know, there's a lot of, the first few chapters of it, there's a lot of almost the same thing as begots. And tribes and generations and standards. And, and it's, um, there's little choice little things in there as you read through it. But you've got to really dig to find them. But you get past that and start going on in. And it starts describing everything. In the book of Exodus, it brought us to a certain place with the tabernacle and all that. It starts talking about the wilderness journey. 42 encampments in the wilderness. There's 42 generations from Adam until, G- until Christ, not until Jesus. There's 41 generations from Adam to Jesus. But to Christ, Jesus, who is Christ, to the Christ, that's the 42nd. When you add them all, 14 generations, 14 generations, you read the last one, and it's 13 generations to Jesus. But then it says, who is Christ? And Christ is the 14th generation. Aren't you glad you're a member in the body of Christ? Aren't you glad Jesus is the head of of God's body, of God's Christ? It's one new man. It's a people. There's only two people on the earth. Christ and Antichrist. There's only two people on the earth. The first Adam and the second Adam, starting with Jesus, the last man. There'll be no other creation. That's who and what we are right now. We're part of that. We're moving with something towards something. If you go into church history, it's amazing the parallels that we have in proportion. I'm here tonight to give you a word from the Lord that will be a theme of what I'm speaking about as long as the Lord wants me to minister it. And because the Lord said, I want you to move the eagle's nest into 2017 and prepare them here, prepare the people here to enter into what's coming before it happens. Any forerunners here? Is it possible to be a forerunner? Oh, that's probably only for the great apostles and prophets. (laughs) 
All through the ages, the saints have entered into the same place as apostles and prophets. They're just not the voice of it. That's not their job. Most of the time, it's their prayer and intercession that empowered the apostles and prophets to come into being. Case in point, Anna and Simeon praying continually in the temple. When Jesus was brought in to be circumcised at eight days of old, they were the first ones to declare, the Messiah is here. And they were both intercessors. Do I hear an amen? And the pattern's all through the Bible. And people that intercede become more intimate with God. Especially in this day, in this time, when intimacy and the ability to enter into intimacy, the Lord drawing so near to us and making himself so available to us and so wanting lovers, so much grace for it. It's in the worship. Everything has shifted. Now, in the Bible, it says the kingdom of God is not meat or, pe meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. And the Lord said, that's where you're at right now. The advancing of the kingdom, kingdom advance. Now the kingdom's going to come in. And I said, Lord, I, we really need righteousness in the kingdom. There is so much flesh. And there's, we really need a message that has more power and more holiness and more of the fear of the Lord to establish that holiness. We need something of a passion to even suffer for him, whatever it costs, an abandonment, a surrender to him, uh, to be at the point of the spear now. And it's not, Lord. It's a remnant message. I mean, you know, it's just a remnant. Only a few are really ministering with the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Only a few. This uh, apostolic prophetic movement we're in is really small, you guys. It's not a big movement. I've been in it since its birth. I was one of the first people to pioneer the prophetic. I've, I know it. I know all the leaders and a lot of them. I know a lot of the especially older ones. Sure, a lot of my friends going home. A lot of my friends going home. So, so many of them already gone. I'm still here. Because I'm a young man. I'm only 39. It's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Need to act more seasoned, brother. More mature. More fatherly. No, thank you. I can't father people, only the Father in heaven can. We only have one father, and when the father flows through anyone that he chooses to be a father, they'll be a father. And he loves their personality and who they are. He loves us free. We're a shifting people right now. We're moving people, but this time right now is phenomenal. Um, do you have your Bible? I'm going to kind of hurry through some verses right now. Would you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Everybody's pulling out their iPhone to open their Bible. I mentioned some things about money and giving and offerings and uh, prosperous spirit, and we are going to do an offering here at the end. But 
Um, I didn't want to do it right then. I didn't feel like it was the right moment, and sometimes I change it. So, 1 Corinthians 10. When the cloud moved, and when Moses took them out of Egypt, the cloud first appeared when they got to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was coming to destroy them. And the cloud appeared between them, between Israel, who was camped on the shore, backed up against the wall of the of this of the sea of the Red Sea, and there was nowhere to go. And this cloud came down and appeared between Pharaoh's army and them. And on the side of Pharaoh over here, it turned dark. Pitch black, they couldn't see. And on this side, it was light. And the light and bright shining of the pillar of fire, which is what it looked like, was in their midst. But it, there was something else that was there. I know what the pillar of fire was, and I'll show you tonight. And uh, it's right in the scripture in front of our eyes. But anyhow, when this happened, the cloud became established as what would direct them on their way. And the cloud was a habitation. You know the Lord's going to come back in, his, in the clouds? How many know the Lord's going to come back in the clouds? Um... Anybody realize right now, become conscious of it for a second? We're compassed about with a great cloud of witness. Book of Jude, Second Peter chapter 3, talks about clouds. They have no rain, and it's talking about people, believers that are not full of the Spirit. They have no rain. And we're called the great cloud of witnesses. And he's going to come back in the clouds. How many of you know he's coming back in the clouds? How many know he's already in the cloud right now? How many, how many of you understand that he's always been in the cloud? And so in this revelation of the cloud moving, it's really important that we see that right now, the Lord is going to move the cloud. Many things right now that the anointing is upon and it is the present move of God are about to dry up and become wilderness. People will still want to do it the same way and it won't work anymore. How many have been through that program about 50 times since you've been a believer? Because he moves you. When the cloud moves, there's no more pillar of fire by night and, and, a, and a shade and a covering by day. If you don't move with the cloud, you're in trouble. There were thousands of Israelites that said, no, we don't want to go on any farther. We've we got a nice encampment here. We're going to stay here. And the cloud left and, and everybody got up and pulled up roots and started to leave and had to get rid of all the garbage before they could go on. Things that became important to them, they couldn't take with them. They couldn't carry them. And so they buried them. I mean, you know, you get buried in watery baptism. 
and they had to put them in piles and burn him until there was nothing left. I mean, you know, you, you buried in water baptism, and then you come out, and fire comes on you and begins to burn up all the rubbish. See, there's, there's a consistent operation of the things of God. I have not preached this message, the cloud is moving, for over 20 years. Every time the cloud has moved, since I've been a preacher of the gospel, baptized in the Holy Spirit, preacher of the gospel, 43 years, every time there's been a new movement, I've known it. I'm supposed to. Why, why, why do you know? Because the Lord wants somebody to tell everybody. He says, son, come here. Here's this message. I love you, now go get this to him. And I'm going to give it to him. He says, yeah, look what, look, I got a message for you. I always sleep to keep it. So I can tell them and give it to them. And they can read it. I'm just just a little messenger boy. Don't you be a little messenger boy? You get to be a big messenger boy and you're in trouble. Because you won't wait for him to tell you what the message is and you'll run. There was a guy that did that, a runner. He said, oh, let me run. And he said, okay, run. And he had the, the king had the message in his hand. I think it's in Second uh, Kings. And the runner goes, oh, yeah, I get to run. And he turned and he ran as fast as he could, outrun other runners, got ahead of them all, got there, ran in and said, they said, doo, 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 doo. a runner's coming, a runner's coming, open the gate. And he ran in, ran up to the king. They took, made the way for him to get to the king. And he ran to the king. And there he runs in. He says, okay, great king. And he said, you're the messenger. What's the message? And he goes, oh, I forgot to get the message. You don't want to get that excited. You don't want to be moved by your emotions without your emotions being moved by the message. Then you're there in his stead. Otherwise, you're an annoyance. Shaka Zulu. Ikamaka Chate. All of these things are so important. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all the fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, the New Testament. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea and ate of the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. Ooh, I like that. Anybody want to drink some spiritual drinky? <laughs> oh, I know how to drink. I love to drink. Thank you, Father. I love to drink the same spiritual drink. Thank you, Father. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Can you imagine a big old rock following you around the wilderness? You're walking along, look, and here comes this rock. <laughs> what if he had tractors on it or what?
It followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, he was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. It's okay to eat and drink and rise up to play if you play before the Lord. If you eat unto the Lord, if you drink unto the Lord, it's okay. That's fine. How many are thankful that you were able to come here tonight to eat and drink and then come in here and play? But these were doing it a different way. They were using it in the wrong way. It had become a lifestyle of feasting and partying and drinking. Like the children in the wilderness who created a calf and had a big feast and had a party and worshipped the golden calf and went into all manner of evil sin. Oh, Father God, cleanse us, the church of the living God, from the love of pleasure more than the love of God. Because it's a warning in the last days over in Timothy. It says, in that day there'll be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Always happen to have. If it isn't fun, I'm not going to do it. How many of you know that you can go through the sufferings of Jesus Christ or get into obedience and be called upon to do something that is really severely hard to do. And there is a sweetness that comes in you as you cry out to him and ask for strength, acknowledge your weakness, and embrace the fact that he's your only strength, and he comes into it, and in a bitter time, a sweetness can come to you, and he can do a work inside of you and create a depth, a height, a length, and a width of the love of God that you never knew and could never experience if you hadn't been willing to pay the highest price and lay down your life for Jesus. For Jesus. Oh, come into it. Embrace it. By the way, you don't have to create your own sufferings. There's plenty waiting. <laughs> you don't need to martyr yourself. He actually chooses martyrs. Many volunteer, but he picks. And so, um, isn't this a wonderful gospel? Aren't you excited? How many here want to be a martyr? One of you raised your hand. rest of you are really honest. <laughs> I felt like the Lord told me the other day, prepare for the martyr's message. I'm going to have you begin to preach a message, a series of messages on martyrdom. And they all said, Amen. with a smile. Uh, and and um, this whole context of Scripture shows us that there are foreshadows and types that took place with the children of Israel. And that everything that happened unto them was examples for us 
so that we wouldn't fall short in the same place as they did. And so by example, we would see the things that Moses and the righteous and those who fully followed God in those matters found great glory and signs and wonders and miracles and walked with God. Moses had it together. He had it together so well that he moved out of the camp, away from all the rest of them, pinched a tent way out here outside of the tent area, pitched a tent for himself and left them and went out there and spent a lot of quiet, alone time with God. And he came into the tent and met him, the angel of the Lord himself, Yahweh, Jesus, before he became a man and spoke to him face to face. Anybody want that kind of type and shadow to happen to you? That encounter... That encounter, that's where it's at. That's what it's all about. And so, uh, a couple more verses, if you'll go with me to, um, to um, where are we going? Numbers. I'd like you to go to the Gospel of Numbers. The Gospel of Numbers. Yeah, so full of good news. It really is amazing stuff. And go to Numbers. Chapter 9. In verse 15 it says, Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. This is the first day that they'd encamped at the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses had gone up and gotten the law. And then he went back up again, came back down and presented to him the second tables of the law, tablets. And he went up and fasted. And he fasted, had two fasts up there that lasted 40 days. And he had encounters with God, the one who came in the burning bush. And he gave him all the pattern and all the details and he had it inscribed on his the tables of his heart on his mind he was infused with these light rays laser beam light rays of God on the inside of him for every detail that he would not forget one thing and he had a recording of the voice of God in him speaking it over and over he would never forget it every time he got ready to do something he would hear the voice of God and remember the visions and see the pictures and in detail he knew exactly how he was supposed to bring forth the ark and the furnishings and all of the tabernacle and everything that had to do with the stationing of the children of Israel and where their encampments would be all of the governmental things and those that would do war, he was downloaded in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy explains all of these things in detail. And it shows spiritual types that would become realities and be fulfilled in Jesus Christ and in us, the church. Isn't that exciting? And so that's why I call it the Gospel of Numbers. 
because the good news of the gospel is woven all through it. And it says here that he came down and they built a tabernacle. And it tells of how they built it and the, uh, the procedures and everything they went to is amazing. The only place in the Bible that it says that a man was filled with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Not one other place was anybody filled with the Holy Spirit except her, H-U-R. And her was the one that would, he would be in charge of all of the artistry detail work of everything in the tabernacle. And so the Lord filled him with the Holy Spirit to be able to build in minute detail, perfectly, out of gold and silver and precious stones and metals and everything that he built it out of. And he, he was the supervisor of this project and made it exactly like Moses wanted it. And for him to be able to do that, he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now for the her generation of apostles that established the arts and creativity of evangelists, pastors, teachers, of saints, of all the people, because he had hundreds of people working with him, maybe even thousands and doing on all of them received the anointing that came through him as they worked on it. God filled him. Nobody in the Old Testament was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe there's a, an anointing coming for the building of the house and the bringing forth of the intricate revelation and the skilled detail, minute, incredible things that doesn't have to do with natural knowledge and natural understanding, but spiritual knowing the knower is much more powerful than the knower inside of you is much more powerful than the or the feeler. Much more. The knower is exact. Prophets should prophesy from the knower, not from the feeler. I'm going to say that louder. Prophets should prophesy from the knower, not from the feeler. I didn't say the saints, people with prophetic anointings, prophetic gift. I didn't say that. I said, prophets. Prophets have to be exact. They must be accurate. Well, not in the New Testament. I don't know where you got that, but it's not in the Bible. Prophets are supposed to be accurate to the specific detail. My gosh, who wants people prophesying on you know if it's the word of the Lord or not? Well, some of it was okay, but I think some of it was off. You don't say that about a real prophet. I know real prophets. I know prophets, and I've heard prophesying for 40 years and better. i never seen them miss it. Never seen them miss it. I'm not counted among them. I, I can remember a couple times at least I've missed it. But I believe, the, I believe the more exact and accurate and true you are, the higher the level of the prophetic anointing you'll carry. And, and accuracy comes through your character. The greater your ability to forgive people and to bless them, the greater your ability to be accurate. The quicker you forgive, the quicker you'll hear the word of the Lord. Forgiveness is the big one. It's the last thing Jesus did on the cross. First thing he did when he appeared to his disciples. Okay. The last thing he did to all who killed him and to everyone who was born and would come. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
Forgiveness is so huge. If you can't forgive and you battle with forgiveness, you hold grudges and you get bitter and you talk bad about people and 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 and, and all of that, your life is going to be filled with all kinds of inaccuracies. Things just won't happen, and you won't know why, because your faith isn't pure and straight and on and in. It's been jagged and taken off base. It's the most important thing you can learn to do is forgive. How do you learn to do it? By doing it. Well, I've tried it and I said I forgive you, but I didn't feel it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. It's not based on determination. It's based on agreement with Jesus. He gives you the power to do it if you agree with him and start functioning in it. And the less you do it, the more you murmur and complain about somebody. The more you find fault, the more you criticize, judgmentalize, have skepticism, arguments, and debates in mind. That's all religious sin. That's how religious spirit works. How it dismantles people. Oh, we got to say it right now. Religious spirit. Go. No, no, no. You have no part with me. No arguments and debates in my mind about people. I will not have conversations of them back and forth and getting even and setting them straight and working it out that way. I won't do that because that will make all of my prayers begin to bend like a bow and go off in the wrong direction. And they won't be answered. And their promises are not fixed. And my faith fizzles and fails in the fight. The cloud is moving. We must get all this stuff out between now and the first of the year. Man, am I ever looking forward to Joe Sweet coming and Roland Baker. Anybody looking forward to that? And we have some other surprises. Oh, by the way, on the I think it's the 12th. Oh, man. Where's my phone? Somebody's got it. I, I'll, I think it's the 12th. If a Monday's the 12th, is it? Okay, you guys know Dave and Cheryl Bryan? That's from um, Yuba City. They have that apostolic center down there and everything. They're going to be right here on that night with the Patriot group here, and he's bringing a message to them about the state of Northern California, the state of Jefferson. And it's, you guys, this thing, people don't even realize what a movement this is becoming. It is caught on fire, and all the petitions, all of the uh, legal p things, all of the people that's in governmental offices, everything that needs to be done to put it into order and even bring it to a vote in the House is almost perfectly in place and thousands of people are joining it everywhere. Just for those that, you don't, that don't know it, there's only nine representatives in all of Northern California from Sacramento across to the, all the way across and all the way up, all of Northern California. There's only nine representatives. Southern California has 111. We have taxation with no representation. 
We don't have any power in our vote to do anything up here because we're not represented. Our government here is all for Southern California and all the resources, riches, and wealth. One of the reasons there's poverty in this city is because we do not, we have taxation and lawmaking and the whole system of government is corrupt. Thank God godly people are starting to get in there and make the difference. Do I hear an amen? Amen. And that's going to happen. It's all going to change. Thank you, Father. I love to throw in politics and who's president and all this stuff. We're in change. We're in change. The cloud is moving, you guys. The clouds is moving. The cloud is moving. Moving. The cloud is moving. Thank you, Father. The cloud is moving. Exodus 13.21 says, And the Lord went before them by day in the cloud. Amen. To lead them, the, uh, them on the way. And by night, a pillar of fire. Isn't our God a consuming fire? Can you imagine that the angel of the Lord, God before he became flesh, Yahweh, Yeshua HaMashiach literally was in that cloud. And the pillar of fire that was there, listen, listen, listen. I prayed about it. The Lord showed me a vision. I'm going to share it with you. You can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can feast on this one. It's beautiful. Because I've known this for a long time. He just gave this to me when he gave me this message and told me, tell him the cloud is moving. Tell them this is not just another message. Tell them this is the word of the Lord. I mean, if there's one person out here watching this on this that gets this and takes it and a flame gets lit and a fire. I don't care about the mass numbers. I care about obedience. God is going to cause us to know the cloud is moving. And in the cloud is a portal. <laughs> and the light that's shining through it is him seated on his throne. And he's guiding his affairs on the earth and the church of the living God. And if you believe it, you can enter into the cloud, be caught up into the coming of the Lord. Because he's coming in clouds. And you can have encounters with the living, resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our King and God. And you can behold him face to face. And you can be empowered. And when the cloud moves, you move with it. And you partake of something that the masses will not have until they get it through you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Anybody want to be one that brings the move of God? Can you pray it in? Yes. Because every time we gather and pray for the rest of this year, we're going to pray into the moving of the cloud, and we're moving with the cloud. We're moving with the cloud, moving with the cloud. We're surrendered. It's an old song. Look at this. Cloud's moving. The cloud's moving. Pass it around. The cloud's moving. This is the first installment on an ongoing message and an ongoing prayer. 
We can be on the cutting edge of God moving. He's doing this in little places everywhere. All over America. He's got a remnant people that are tapped in. He's got some radical people. The numbers are waiting for us. The masses are waiting for you to come. They're waiting for you to pray it. They're waiting for you to anoint them. They're waiting for you to call down heaven. They're waiting for you to call down the beginning of the latter and former reign together in the first month. An anointing they've never experienced. Not just more of Pentecost. Listen, we don't need another Pentecost. We need to fulfill and completely walk in all the Pentecost he's given us. We need the Spirit without measure. Pentecost is wonderful. It's glorious. Oh my God. It's so much more than we realize. It is so glorious. It really is. But, it is called the earnest of our inheritance, which means a down payment. And the anointing he's about to bring, it's not going to come all at once. It's going to come in installments and faithfulness. It's going to come over some in some in, in, uh, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. We'll call them movements, but they won't really be the movement. Not that many real major movements left. So what? Do we so put on Jesus Christ within us where we so know Him, so walk in Him, so live from the inside out, so no longer I but Him that lives, so live by the life of another one that the whole world will see and partake of the kingdom of heaven in a way they haven't known. And it's not the full coming of the Lord with the glorified body and the manifestation of the coming of the king in his resurrected glorified body. But it leads us right up to it, into what we call the glorious church without spot or wrinkle. This move of God that we're going into and that will start this next year is a new glory. Everybody say glory. glory. It's a greater glory. It's a greater glory. It's a manifest glory. How many love the presence of God? Amen. Glory means ma- glory just means manifest presence. But it's not just every little presence that comes. That's a g- degree of glory. Our worship services are wonderful and we feel we're so strengthened. We can't live without it. We've got to have His presence. Amen. And it's a realm of glory. But it's not the realm that's coming. It's not the highest realms that's on the earth right now on the earth. Right now on the earth, there's people that are walking in a higher glory than we're in here in Reading. A lot of them are in third world nations. A lot of them are of what we call minority people. Flash! News! Alert! <laughs> White people are becoming the minority. The cloud's moving. Is anybody glad the cloud's moving? Did you get something from this tonight? What do you do to experience it? What does he want from you? What does he want from you to move into it? He wants you to begin to pray for it. He wants you to begin to acknowledge this. If you believe this is the word of the Lord, then it won't leave your mind. It'll come back up in your thinking. You'll begin to say, the cloud's moving. 
you'll find yourself saying, the cloud's moving. you remember to say, the cloud's moving. The cloud's moving. I didn't read to you about the cloud that much. There's another scripture that talks about the angel of the Lord himself is in the cloud. It's in Exodus. The cloud is moving. When the cloud lifted up and moved off from the tabernacle that was in the midst of the people of God, the people knew, time to pull up stakes. We're going to move. And right now the cloud is lifting. The cloud is lifting. The Spirit of God's not leaving. He's taking us to another glory. Taking us to a new place. Bringing us into things that we can't have in this place we're at any longer. The resource has run its course. Now it's time for a new thing. Thank you, Father. Well, would you stand with me? We're going to confess something. Then I'm going to give you a chance to give. And uh, I, want to do, I want to do what I call a kingdom agreement conversation with God. And I'll lead you in it, and you just repeat after me. Father, thank you that the cloud is moving. I'm moving with the cloud. Wherever your cloud goes, I will go. I thank you that you're in me. And that I'm in you. I thank you I'm in Christ. And I love the revelation of the Christ that is in me. I'm moving with that. I'm moving with you. Following you. You're empowering me. You're visiting me. You're giving me dreams, visions. You're cleansing me. You're calling me to holy repentance, godly sorrow. I'm being affected in every area of my life. Strengthen me for change. Open my mind. My heart will be open. I will yield to you. I surrender. I surrender to your greatness, your power, your glory. I'm blessed. Going out. Coming in. I will wander in the direction of the cloud with you like they did in the wilderness. But I will not stay in the wilderness. I'm going into the land of promises. We're crossing over. We're entering a new time. A new glory. And we're doing it with you going before us. And we're going to praise you all the way. And rejoice and be glad. With a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Yes.